Well, good morning, church. Stop that whistling. You just stop that. Just because I have a tie and slippers on. If you're, if you're watching online, this is a zoo in here today. Now I know why you people don't come. You just watch from afar. Jeez, uh, Louise. Um, thank you, though. I appreciate that. Internally, I'm loving it. And uh, externally, I scold. So that's the way it works. Um, I was so moved last week with, uh, with John's uh, call for us to exhale love because there's a world that needs to inhale. Uh, we we, we as, as followers of Jesus, that's our call. That's that's what, what he has, has fashioned us for when we boil it all down is for the, the love of other people, um, for us to breathe out on people that uh, need to receive that fresh breath of love that, that we can give, that God breathes through us. But uh, what I'm also thinking about and processing is uh, how difficult it is for, for us to love is it always easy to love? No. You know like one and a half people that are easy to love. Everybody else, miserable. Right? I mean, you have to work really hard at it. You've got to muster it. You've got to kind of figure out some way in. You've got to convince yourself or just kind of uh, push through to get to a place where you can, you can love. It's hard to to love the people around us. I, I'm, I'm, I'm burned by people. Have you been burned by people? Uh, you try to love and it's not received the way that you intended. It doesn't make you real excited to go about loving the next time around. Um, another thing that's super difficult for me when it comes to loving is oftentimes I just don't know where to begin. Uh, I went into Starbucks this morning very early and the Starbucks that I happen to go to, uh, a lot of homeless people uh, go there in the morning. And my heart is so moved. They come in every single morning and I'm feeling a prompting in my heart the last month or so uh, just to begin to reach out, um, to have a conversation, to learn their name, to know that they're worthy of attention and having a conversation. But I don't know where to start with them. I don't know exactly. I mean, other than Jesus, uh, I don't know the steps from where they are to wherever I think they should be. I, I don't know what they, they need. Other people come in there that are not homeless, same sort of thing. I don't know exactly what everybody needs. Even my own friendships or family sometimes, I don't know where to begin. That makes it difficult to love. I'm also challenged with, with loving people well because I don't always have enough in my tank. I want to love. I want to be compassionate. I want to care for people. But I cannot love everybody all the time constantly. I don't have that in me. I have a hard time even figuring out how to do a good job at loving all 3,000 people in our own church family to do that well. I can't. I cannot do that. 
And so I am convinced more than anything that we must be really good and, and do better maybe than we've ever done before at inhaling the love that God has for us before we can exhale anything. And John said that, that throughout the scriptures, it's a story of God breathing out, exhaling love. Well, we better inhale that. Otherwise, our tank's going to be empty. And it's just like a pitcher where if you, you, you are a pitcher full of water and you constantly pour out into other people and never are poured into, it will just be a matter of time where you, you come up short and I look around and, and I just know that, that in a group this size, uh, there's many of us that are struggling with what it is to receive love. The love that God has for us, to really receive it. To allow him to pour himself into us. And I think there's a lot of us that are struggling with how in the world then are we supposed to love Jesus teaches me so much. Just in the last couple of weeks, he's been teaching me a ton uh, from a familiar passage uh, about how we are supposed to love. And, and this one in particular is one that you've probably seen before, you've heard before, that you've read before. But John chapter 13 is where we're going to be. And he's taught me so much all over again just in the last couple of weeks about how to love people, how to exhale love. For, for, for me and you, I think it is key for us to come back to Jesus. You and I, when it comes to relationships, we're not going to do a whole lot better job than Jesus. He set the bar very, very high. But yet if we, if we look to him, if we study uh, how he operated and what he did or what he didn't do, I think there's an awful lot for us to glean with regard to relationship and especially love relationships. You know, Jesus ministered to crowds, right? I mean, there were times where he's teaching crowds, he's ministering in and amongst huge gatherings of people. But for all the crowds he would also uh, steal away. He, he made it a priority often to be quiet, to shut off, to be still, to be with the Father. If, if Jesus had to stop to inhale love, direction, encouragement, strength from the Father, then how much more so do, do me and you? I have to make that a priority. And for all the crowds that Jesus ministered to, even in this moment that we're going to look at here, uh, Jesus rides into Jerusalem. Uh, the, the, what we, we're celebrating today, right now, Palm Sunday. And, and this is a moment in the history of the church calendar that marks when Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem. His whole earthly ministry has been leading to this particular moment. And he knew that. And he rides into Jerusalem uh, to, to be faithful to the mission that God had called him to. 
And he rides in and people are excited. There's a celebration. We know this guy. This guy's a special guy. This guy's an interesting guy. This guy uh, is worth celebrating. And there's this pomp and circumstance to start Palm Sunday. That's the beginning of the week. But by the end of the week, uh, some five, six days later, not a whole lot of celebration is there. The roller coaster of events that Jesus is going to experience between Palm Sunday and then going to the cross, much less raising from the dead three days later, it's quite the roller coaster. And he has entered Jerusalem now and he, he, he receives the celebration, but then he speaks to it. He talks to the crowd. He, he, he's trying to guide and direct and teach them in that moment. And then it says something very odd that he then, after he was with the crowd, he hid himself from the crowd. There was time for him to remove himself from the crowds. And then what we see take place over the course of this next few days, an awful lot of it has to do with his disciples. See, for all the crowds, a great majority of Jesus' time, maybe the majority, was spent not with the crowds, but with 12 people. And really amongst the 12, there were really three, the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And arguably one of those three, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so Jesus had this discernment and this wisdom to know that that even while he was here on earth, his job was not to minister directly to every single human being. Was his love for every single human being? Yes. Was his uh, rescue and redemption that was going to come by what he did on the cross a result Of his heart for all people? Yes. But as soon as he took on flesh and became like one of us, he was no longer, while he was here on earth, omnipresent. He wasn't all the places all the time. He was limited in who he could interact with. He understands what it's like to be you. He gets that when you hear, you're supposed to love, your heart goes, yes, I I want to love. And then you walk out into our town and you see thousands of people and you go, oh, where do I begin? I don't like the way they look. I don't want to love them. And I have nothing in common with them. So how am I going to, and I'm married to her and I don't even want to, just kidding. That's a, that's such a tough place. And so what we can learn from Jesus is so much, and he's taught me so much about how to love well. Whether it is in crowds, uh, whether it is uh, to steal away and just spend time allowing the Father to love me, whether it's trying to seek God for wisdom, where should I spend my time? Who, God? Do you know how I'm struggling with this right now? I'll tell you, as one of your pastors here, My heart is for all of you, but I have been struggling so much in the last month just going, I, I, there isn't literally physically, there is not enough of me. My heart is to meet with every single one of you all the time. It's not possible. And that's a big reminder. I'm not Jesus. I'm not God. I'm not infinite. 
And so I need to begin to process, Lord, uh, who is it that you are calling me to? And within that, who needs greater investment? There are times for the individuals, there's times for the crowds, and there's time for the in-between. Here's what Jesus is teaching me as we look through this passage. John chapter 13, skip down to verse 1. We don't need to skip because it's... It's verse 1. It's the slippers throwing me off today. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Is that not one of the coolest lines ever? Having loved those who were in the world, now he was going to love them all the way to the end. He's not pulling up short. Verse 2, the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. You know what I'm learning here from Jesus is that uh, sometimes your weaknesses and my weaknesses, sometimes your challenges and my challenges, sometimes your difficulties and my difficulties are the very thing that trigger the kindness of Jesus. Sometimes it's my weaknesses or my being prone to stumbling My being prone to failure, that's the very thing that triggers the love of God to be put into action for me. The wolf, the devil, had just plucked off one of the flock, Judas. Doesn't it make sense then that the shepherd, having seen one of the flock be picked off, would now double his efforts on the remaining flock? He knew that they were prone to stumbling prone to failure, prone to uh, not measuring up. And in their weakness, in them being prone, that is the thing that triggers, that's the thing that begins to set into motion the kindness of God. That the 12 were the friends of Jesus, the family of Jesus. Are you okay? You all right? Your back hurt? Yeah, all right, we'll be praying for that. That's the worst. Somebody be praying for his back pain. That would be great. Yeah. When, when we get to that spot where we look at these 12 that were the friends and family of Jesus, the school that he was teaching, we're reminded here that in this world, Jesus has his own Do you know, in the world, Jesus has his own. You you are some of his own. Jesus is proud to call you his own. He's purchased you. He's paid for you. He's set you apart. You're his own. He's called you out. He's uh, deeply loving you. He's consistently loving you. He's uh, desiring to be with you. And then he'll continue to love you to the end and beyond. His love is so active in pursuit of you 
that it is going to bring you to a place someday where love is perfect. I can't wait for that. We get little tastes here and now, but someday it'll be perfect. And it's in my weakness, in my uh, struggle, in my humanity that somehow sparks the, oh, my people, my own, they're in trouble. I'm going to step in rather than step away. My people are weak. My people just failed. Rather than, oh, you failed, I'm out of here. Oh, you're doing that. Oh, you're prone to that. Forget you, I'm out of here. No. It's our weaknesses and, and our humanity that triggers God into action to love us. And when I think about what I'm supposed to learn from Jesus in that regard, then how many people do I look at around me, myself included, who are weak and broken and all too human, and rather than getting irritated at them and frustrated at them, I should be triggered into action to love them even more. Because that's what Jesus does for me. Easy? No. But that's the love that Jesus has for us. Look at what he does, verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I'm learning here from Jesus that there is a posture associated with love. And did you know that the posture of love is humility? See, Jesus knew who he was, right? I mean, it says right here, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and that he's going to return to God. Jesus knew who he was, and yet he also, loving his disciples the way that he loved them, in Jesus' greatness, he got low. The posture of love is humility. It is a correct understanding of who we are in relation to who God is. I'm not God. He is. And once I get that figured out, not just here, but down in here, it does change my posture. I am convinced that when you and me, when we are secure in our identity, when we know who we are from God's perspective, when we know who we are in Christ, then we can really be humble. When I'm secure in God, then I can get low. Then I can humble myself before God and before other people. You show me someone who is secure in their relationship with God, I will show you someone who is humble. You show me someone who is insecure with who they are, I'll show you someone that struggles with pride and arrogance because their constant tendency is to posture up 
than to posture down. And the posture of love, if we're posturing up, good luck trying to love people well. Because our perspective shifts that I'm better than or uh, you don't deserve it, but I do. And that makes it very difficult sort of posture to love people. Jesus being the son of God almighty, he, I can't even, it stuns me. He goes down to wash the feet of his disciples. Do you know how gross guys' feet are? They are nasty. They are so gross. And especially back then. They're walking around on dirt roads with open sandals. I ain't touching those things. There's no nice little clippers. They got an ingrown curly one that's doubling back in on itself. There's one smashed in there. I don't know. They got hummus and pita jammed under. I don't know what they do. It's nasty. And these were guys who considered Jesus their Lord. These were guys who were uh, happy to think of themselves as his servant. And Jesus surprised his servants with this posture of service. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. If that isn't a whole lot of the gospel and a whole lot of the mission of followers of Jesus summed up and what Jesus is doing for his own, then I don't know what is. At least there's a starting place for us, right? I don't know how to solve every problem that our whole community has, but I can, I can just say, hey, my heart's to serve you. I'm not going to be perfect at it. It might be with a word. It might be with a deed. I don't know. But as the opportunity comes, my heart posture is, you are worthy for me to serve you. You are worthy for me to love you. End of sentence. Now, if you're like me, if if Jesus walked into this room right now in some tangible form, and said, hey, we're going to be here for a while. Everybody, take off your shoes. I'm going to wash your feet today. I mean, there'd be different reactions, right? I mean, there is a natural sense that goes, no way. You're God. If I'd known you were coming today, I would have trimmed the nails or hit the pedicure place or whatever. You, you don't touch me like that. You don't This is not the correct place for you to sit in my life. I would react that way, at least initially. And so did the disciples, at least one. Look at verse 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Whoa. Then, Lord, Simon Peter said, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Okay. Good. He got it. He got it. 
Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is already clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. What I learned from Jesus here is when he calls us to love, he's calling us to love in a way that's actually helpful. He's calling us to more than just a superficial love. I'm, I'm decent at superficial love. Uh, the right word at the right time when it's convenient for me. Uh, love you just enough to make you feel better, even though uh, uh, it, it, I, I know that maybe the long term, that's really not going to help you. Uh, today it helped, tomorrow not so much, but at least I got you out of my office. <laughs> you know, I mean, we can do that. You, you can do your own version of it. But, but for me, Jesus is saying, hey, I didn't come and stoop down just to wipe the feet of my friends. I came to cleanse your heart and your soul. Jesus is concerned about so much more than just the superficial, just the exterior. He is concerned with the interior. He's concerned with the heart and the soul. And so we must love gently, we must love graciously, we must love compassionately, we must love generously, but we must also love in truth. And so sometimes the loving thing to do is hard. Sometimes the real extension of love is something that is going to hurt temporarily in the life of the person that you're you're speaking to. There's going to be a a, a little sting with it. Because just like surgery, if you've got uh, something going on inside that needs to be removed or taken care of, you could just pat someone on the back and say, well, it'll be fine. I love you. Oh, I feel so much better. Thank you. I don't have to get surgery. No, you don't have to get surgery. And then you walk away. Sometimes in order for something to get better, it has to get worse at least from our perspective. And I think a lot of times, a lot of us are reluctant to receive the love of God because we don't want to really admit that we need the cleansing of God. I want God's love as long as he doesn't put the finger on that nerve or hit that little pocket in my life. It's hard for me to admit, yeah, I really, I need your love. And I don't just need your love in like a hug. I need your cleansing, restorative, redemptive, get sin out of my heart and my life. Give me a brand new heart. The kind of love that sent Jesus to a cross to die There was something that needed to be dealt with. And so he said, yes. Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. 
Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus is teaching me to leave a a legacy of love. That's what John was driving home last week. That's what we're coming around again this week. But we will not be good lovers of people until or unless we are constantly inhaling, receiving, breathing deep the love that Jesus has for you. Do you know, every single one of you in here, any, every single one of you that are watching online, how much God loves you? You are worthy of being loved by Almighty God. You are worthy of receiving love. There may be others in here that you, you've heard from so many other people. You will only be worthy unless... That's what the world says. Jesus says, I have come because you are all worthy of it. I have come to get low. I have come to uh, love you in action, not just with words, but in deed. And now, with that love that we receive, then now, yes, we go breathe that out. Yes, we go exhale. Yes, we go love people extravagantly. How? The same way that Jesus is constantly loving us. We, we stoop low. We put ourselves uh, below other people to lift them up to him. Now, I don't know how to look at the whole community that we're in or the whole world and know exactly how to do that. I don't even know, like I said, how to do that in our own church. I'm just starting saying, God, would you give me the wisdom to know how to do that in my own family? Would you give me the wisdom to know how to do that in my uh, closest group of friends or those that I feel like you're laying on my heart here, God? I may not be able to do it for all the crowds, but I might be able with your help to figure out the 12 that you've got for me or the three or the one. By this, all people we will know will know we are Christians by the way that we love one another. If we're having trouble loving the community out there, we're having trouble loving our own church in here. We're having trouble loving even the friends that are around us. It may have to do that we're having trouble receiving the love that God has for me and myself. And all you need to hear today is you're worthy of his love. 
if Jesus did show up today in a tangible form. I believe he would be all too eager to hit his knees and wash your feet. You know that today. You receive that today. You allow that to go from here or here down to here today. That's what he thinks of you. And then out of the overflow of that, just say, okay, I get this love. Now, help me give just a humble word of encouragement or a humble deed. Let me just start before we go tackle, tackle the whole world. One person today. Is there one today, God? Okay, some 3,000 people will come through our church today or visit with us online today. If every single one of those took one humble step of love toward one individual in our that's quite the ripple effect. Amen? Right on. Woohoo. I have been the last month or so, so heavy on my heart. I can only say it was just this one little area that God just said, do this here. And it has to do with whenever I'm going through a grocery store or Target or wherever I've shopped at the checkout line, just to stop long enough to say to the cashier, how are you doing today? Is everybody treating you right today? Everybody treating you okay today? Anything that you need today? And for me, I mean, it takes a couple of seconds, but I'm really wanting to listen. And I've been blown away with the spectrum of responses. From tears welling up to, oh, you have no idea how miserable people are to us. Those of you that work in those professions, you know what I'm talking about. And so to be in a spot where you, you, you have a line full of people and there's nine people there before they've called, three's a crowd, three's a crowd, we need help on cashier. There's, they're looking at nine people, eight of them are Satan and one of them's Jesus. <laughs> what do you say, me and you are the... The Jesus, the representation of the love of God that just, they can look down the line and just been ripped to shreds. But the love that you've been receiving for Jesus gets extended humbly in word or deed to one individual person and lift them up to his love. Let them taste his love. What we're going to do, we're going to do one more song. And I'm going to ask something of you. We're going to ask the prayer partners to uh, head up this way right now and, and just line the front of the stage. The band is going to come up right now. And I'm also going to ask, maybe you're here and you're a men's ministry leader. Uh, maybe you're a women's ministry leader. Uh, maybe you're a life group leader. You're comfortable praying with somebody. Just being with somebody. I want you to come up and I just want you to line the front of the stage. And then during this song, during the entirety of this song, if you just need a, uh, a tangible sort of moment of someone to care for you, to love you, to listen to you, to pray for you, 
I'm going to invite you to come forward and connect with any one of these people here. Take this opportunity to come on up and let people minister to you. Take this opportunity to receive God's love that he has for you. And we're going to be singing. So you may not be able to hear a prayer that they pray for you over the song. That's okay. God can still hear it. Would you let him love you today? Would you let this be kind of the equivalent of some extension of Jesus humbling themselves just to care for you? And then receive it and then take that to somebody else today. And so, Father, we just, uh, we lift our voices to you here now. And we ask, God, that you'd minister to us mind, body, soul, and spirit. Did you allow those that need some sort of encouragement in prayer or maybe just silence being next to someone that they know cares be a reminder that you care. Thank you for teaching us how to love. Guide and direct us to that one person today that you're calling us to lift up to you. In Jesus' name, amen.